Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. The reading today is taken from Luke chapter 5, starting to read at verse 1, the calling of the first disciples. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Here ends the lesson. Loving God, your son came to seek the lost and was baptized with sinners. Grant that we who have been baptized in his name may reach out in love to those in need. With the mercy of Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you forever and ever. Amen. And now let us affirm our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and heart. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, last week, we were beginning a sermon series about Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers, how Christ feels for us, how he loves us. And as I was saying, as I leave to move the drum glass later on in February, uh, I want everyone who's watching this, everyone in our parish and everybody else who's joining us, uh, us this morning, thank you for joining us, to not only know the truths of Christ's love, but to feel them, to feel Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers. And as I shared last week, what I want us to know is that Christ doesn't shake his, his, his wag his finger at us or uh, shake his fist at us or do this with his head. No, for sinners and sufferers who come to him, he runs to us with open arms. 
As I said, we often know the truths about Christ. But I want us to feel those truths. I want us to, to know who Christ is and how much he loves us. And I want us this morning to ask God's Spirit to apply the truths that we read in the Scriptures deep into our hearts. That we not only just know about these things, but we feel them deeply. We have confidence in them so that we too can share them with others. And this week, I don't know about you, but boy, have I needed to know that Christ loves me. In all the confusion around the rising virus uh, infections, in the worries about the hospitals, in the changes with exams and not knowing how things are going to work out for little Elijah and for uh, 8,000 others who are doing the AQE, for all those poor students who had planned to do their GCSEs and A-levels and B-techs, uh, and all the other students who don't know whether they're going back to university or not, all those people who are worried about going back to work or not having work, it's a great time of trouble. And so we really need to apply these truths deep, deep, deep into our hearts. And so let's use our God-given privilege this morning, a wonderful privilege of prayer, that we in Christ can enter into the throne room of God. And let's use that this morning to pray and to seek God's truth this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, is gentle and lowly, gentle and humble in heart. And he has promised that he will give us rest for our souls if we come to him. And we pray that with the help of the Holy Spirit, you would help us to see and to feel the love of Christ. Lord, we are fearful. We are anxious. For we don't know the future, but loving, gracious Father, you do. And so, Lord, help us to rest and bathe in your truths this morning. And, Lord, help us not only to know them, but to feel them deep, deep, deep down. For we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's, as you would expect, it's packing time at the rectory. And it's going on in earnest this week. Pictures are coming down, and as they do, they leave marks of 10 years of life. First of all, you get the, what the paint used to be like, how clear it was, how clean it was, and then the, the mark of the, the picture, the dirt that goes round it. I don't think we're any dirtier than anybody else, but it still leaves its mark. And it got me to thinking how often it is we in our lives live among the muck and the mire of sin and don't recognize it. I think it's why we find scenes like we're trying to portray today with the, the Christmas kind of colors and, or the winter scene, should I say, Christmas is long past now, uh, the, the winter scenes of snow and how we find snow so attractive. It covers over all the muck. We love it. But sadly, we are people who are too happy to play around as C.S. Lewis talks about in muddy puddles. We don't realise how sinful our world is, how dirty it actually is. And we don't feel, we don't realise how bad it is until we see how clean things can be. We don't realise how dirty our walls are until the pictures come off and we see what it used to be like. 
We don't see the sinfulness of our own souls until we see the, the beauty of the holiness of Christ. And so that's really where we're going this morning. With Simon Peter and Jesus as Jesus is preaching and asked to use Simon Peter's boat. We're going to see the purity, the beauty of Christ and the grubbiness and squalidness of sin. So first of all, the beauty of Christ, in particular, his beauty, his holiness. You see, for all of us, we live amongst the grime and the muck and sin and we're used to it. It's become our home. We don't notice Christ's holiness until our eyes are opened by God's grace and we see the beauty of his holiness. So let's look at the beauty of Christ here in verse 1. And Jesus is standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee. He's still in uh, round about Nazareth, uh, around Galilee. And the crowd are so big, verse 2, that he, as I said, he has to use a fishing boat as a pulpit. He's to push out from the shore and preach. The crowds are so massive. Now, it shouldn't surprise us that anybody will want to listen to Jesus, especially as they've listened to his gracious words. Do you remember we saw last week that he's got good news? So we looked at last uh, Luke chapter 4. He's got good news of God's freedom and favour to bring us. And we see that Peter get, or Jesus gets into a boat that belonged to Simon. We know him as the Apostle Peter, uh, one of the great leaders of the church. But remember, he too sinned and failed. He denied Christ three times. But yet Jesus even used a failure like him to be an apostle and to bring us first and second Peter to lead the early church. He also was a source of much of what we find in Mark's gospel. And it's in verse 4, it's to this Simon Peter that Jesus speaks his first word in Luke's gospel to an individual. Let's read it together. It said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, stop there and think about that for a minute. Minute, because here we have the son of a carpenter telling a seasoned fisherman how to catch fish. Well, verse five, Simon Peter isn't convinced. They've spent all night trying to catch something. Nighttime being the best time to fish upon the lake of Galilee, but they caught nothing. But there was something about Jesus, particularly about his authoritative word that made Simon Peter do what he said. Just look. He says, verse end of verse 5, but because you say so, and Luke reminds us in verse 1 of chapter 5 that people are listening to the word of God. So when Jesus preaches, he brings us the word of God. And Peter says, because you say so at your word, he lets down the nets. What happens next is something absolutely astonishing, something amazing. They net the biggest catch of their lives. In the verse 6, their nets are breaking, and their boats become so full that they begin to sink. Picture that if you can. Two fishing boats so full of fish that they begin to sink, to take in water in the very lake that last night they couldn't even catch a sardine. 
And Simon Peter knows what this means. It means that Jesus is no ordinary preacher. He's not even just a master as he calls him in verse 5. Master, we worked hard all night. I haven't caught anything. No. He is. Verse 8, end of verse 8. Lord. Lord. The Holy One of God. The creator and sustainer of heaven and earth. Now we'll look at some of Peter's reaction in a minute, but for now let's stop and gaze at the beauty of Christ's holiness. Let's ponder the one who he created and in whom and through him all things were created and for whom all things were created. And let's see the one who controls all things and whose command even the fish of the seas and lakes come running. One of the dangers of the Christian life is that we get so used to reading the Bible that we don't get shocked by what we read anymore. Familiarity breeds contempt. We need to be wary of reading the Bible and not being shocked at the claims that the Bible makes about Jesus. We need to be repenting of the sin where Jesus no longer becomes impressive to me or shocking to me. Where he's no longer awesome to me. Let's be honest, we've heard this story many, many times before. It's a Sunday school's teacher of bread and butter, isn't it? But let's not overlook the obvious here. The beauty and the brilliance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the creator Get this, the creator who lives in amongst his creation, who commands his creation. He is the same Lord who in the Old Testament called forth the flies. He's now in the New Testament calling forth the fish, so that even experienced fishermen are astonished. He is wonderfully, beautifully holy. And it's when we see the purity, the holiness, the beauty of Christ that we begin to see the dirt and the ugliness of sin. It's when we pull back the picture of Jesus that we start to see how far we fall short from him. Now, if you were Simon Peter and a fisherman, what would you have done? Well, most likely, like most fishermen, I would have tried to get my boats back to the shore and back to the market as quick as possible to sell those fish at the highest price. But look what he does. Verse 8. When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Trip Simon Peter down on his knees, kneeling in a whole pile of fish. He's kneeling before Jesus and he says, Jesus leaves me. You're the Holy One. I am a sinner. I'm so filthy. I am so dirty. Leave me. As I said, we're calling this sermon series Christ's Heart for Sinners and Sufferers. And although we're not looking at the whole of Luke's gospel, 
I wanted us to see that Luke has a particular focus for showing Christ's heart for sinners and sufferers. He uses the word sinner 18 times, much more than Matthew or Mark or John. And in verse 8, he uses the word sinner for the first time. That's why we're looking at this passage this morning. Do you see how Peter describes himself in verse 8? A sinful man. I am a sinful man. But here's the surprise for us. He's not a particularly spectacular sinner. He's not like the thieving tax collector of Levi or a prostitute woman in Luke 7. No, Simon Peter is just an ordinary fisherman. An ordinary person with an ordinary job, just like you and me. But faced with the beauty of the holiness of Christ, he sees the dirt and the ugliness of sin. And he's convicted of his sin. And it's not by looking at himself. As we said last week, we blind ourselves. We're blind our own sin. No, it's by looking at Christ. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look at the holiness of Christ. And like many people who've reacted similarly in the Bible, when confronted by the beauty and the brilliance of, of seeing God and his, all his holiness, like Abraham in Genesis 18 or Isaiah, in Isaiah 6 or Job in Job 42, he sees his own sinfulness and he says to God, leave me. Jesus, you're so holy, leave me. The sculptor once made a, a beautiful a statue of Jesus. And at the opening exhibition, people were looking at the sculptor's work, and one person asked the sculptor, what's the best angle to view the sculpture from? The sculptor said, down on your knees. Down on your knees. I wonder if that's the position from which you're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. Down on your knees. Convicted of your sin. It's certainly not where most of our world is at. Because our world tells us, even we can try to convince ourselves, that we're basically good people. Yes, we may get a few things wrong, but down deep, really, we're good people. And all this talk of sin, it's so depressing. And of course, there are those feelings of guilt that we just transfer on the other people. It was their fault. It was this situation. Uh, I couldn't help myself. And that's why our culture is such an angry culture. Nothing gets people angrier than pointing out shame, pointing out sin. And so we end up in a culture of blame and victimhood. Now, don't get me wrong, there are genuine victims in our world and in our society. But even as we recognize that, we need to see the sinfulness of sin. We need to see how dirty and filthy it is. Because I think we have a very unbiblical picture of sin. We love to relativize it. What we do is we say, I'm not as bad as that person. We don't want to look at ourselves. We always point to other people. But picture this. Imagine that I was sitting at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, which is supposed to be the, the lowest point on Earth, uh, 36,000 feet below sea level. 
and here we were at the highest point on earth, up on Mount Everest, some 29,000 feet above sea level. And by some amazing technology, you at the top of Everest could see me at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Well, you feel a little bit smug, because you're so much higher than me, about 65,000 feet or about 12.3 miles above me. You're looking down and going, oh, look at Brian way, way down there, just this little tiny spot. But then someone says to us both, well, both of you, try to touch the stars. Now, you might be closer to the stars than I am, but which of us can actually get to them? And that's what's going on here. Simon Peter sees the greatest of all stars, the sun, the son of God. He sees the beauty of Christ, and then he compares himself not with others, but to Christ. And he realizes how sinful he is. He gets to his knees. And what we're given a picture here this morning is how we begin the Christian life and how we continue in the Christian life. On our knees, recognizing the beauty and the holiness of Jesus and saying like Simon Peter, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I'm a sinful boy. I'm a sinful girl. But look at what Jesus does here. Does he leave Simon Peter on his knees in a pile of fish? He says, okay, I'll just jump off and swim back. Or put me to the boat and I'll just walk away. Does he say, Simon Peter, you're so right, you're so disgusting, you're so sinful, I'm out of here, I'm gone. No. Not at all. Here we see the beauty of Christ. The beauty of his heart. Look what he says in verse 10. Please, if you've got a Bible, look 5, verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. That's what the angel said to Zechariah, to Mary, and to the shepherds. And it's what Jesus says to you and to me if we come to him. Don't be afraid. And this is where we see Jesus' heart the most. In fact, he came so that sinners like you and me could come near to God and that we would not need to depart from him. See, outside of God, outside of Christ, should I say, God is a consuming fire. Read that in Hebrews. Outside of Christ, we're right to be afraid of him. Outside of Christ, there is no hope. Outside of Christ, one, one day, people will have to depart from him. But here's the great news for Simon Peter and for us. In Christ, God is a loving Father. In Christ, we do not need to be afraid, even when we mess up and sin. And this is something that Simon Peter begins to see here in Luke 5. And it's something that changed his life forever. You may remember that Jesus ends his earthly life as he begins it here with a miraculous catch of fish on Lake Gennesaret, on Lake Galilee, involving Simon Peter. John records it in John 21. You can read it later on. But what did Peter do that time after another miraculous catch of fish? When he sees the risen Jesus, he doesn't run from him. 
He wraps his cloak, dives into the water, and runs to him. And of course, he's still a sinner. He's denied Jesus three times. But now he knows the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. He knows that Jesus doesn't point the finger at sinners. Though Jesus says, come, come. And so Peter runs down for forgiveness. I wonder, have you seen that? Have you felt that? Do you see Christ calling you today? Come, come. Don't be afraid. Have you run to his open arms? Have you got on your knees and said to him, Lord, I'm such a sinner, I need you. So many people fear over what Christ would say to them if they came to him. But do you see his heart here? Do you see it? He says, come, don't be afraid, come to me. See, he forgives us and he makes us his followers. So by the end of verse 11, do you see it? Simon, Peter, and his fishing partners, James and John, leave everything and follow him. Simon, Peter's sinfulness doesn't disqualify him from being a follower of Jesus, and nor does yours or mine. In fact, the very fact that we are sinners, and we have heavy burdens, is the very fact that Jesus came. And as followers, we have a great privilege. We get to join him in his work of fishing. Not for fish. For people. Look at verse 10 again. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Do you know Jesus is still asking people to join him in his work of fishing for people? And the word fish, catch here, actually means to catch alive. I guess it's the total, totally opposite of fishing for fish because what we do with fish is they're alive and we kill them, don't we? Here, spirit, here, spiritually speaking, people are dead. And we catch them alive. We tell them about the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. We snatch them from the fire and we bring them to the safety of Christ. And we help people see the holy heart of Jesus. A heart that forgives and a heart that makes us his followers. A heart that allows him to join in his work. So let me ask you this morning. Have you been caught and made alive in Christ? Do you see that you're spiritually dead without Christ? If you're not sure, I'd love to talk to you further about this. And if as many who are watching this have been made alive, do you see what a privilege we have in partnering with Christ and his work? It's the greatest of joys he calls us to become part of his workers. Of catching people, bringing them to the heart of Christ, seeing them become from spiritually dead to spiritually alive, Ephesians 2. To be fishers of the people, as someone said, and not just keepers of the aquarium. So with the start of a new year, can we see who we are longing to see coming to Christ? Are we praying for them? Who can we invite if we get back to our schools, to our scripture unions and our, uh, our university uh, and get them back to the CUs? Who would we love to read the Bible one-to-one -one with? Who would we want to invite people to church or even to invite them to watch along with us this service even this morning? Who are we being praying for? We love them to see the beauty of the heart of Christ. 
that we can even say to them, uh, let me show you a sermon that we were listening to this morning. And you send them the link to the service. Who can we show the beauty of Christ's holiness? The beauty of his heart for sinners and sufferers. This morning, we have such good news to share. And I pray this morning you would not only know the beauty of Christ's heart, but you would feel it yourself. As you see your sinfulness and his holiness, you hear him as you walk towards him by faith. Come, don't be afraid. And when you do that, and if you've done that, you see the beauty of Christ's heart and allowing us to be part of his work so that we can fish for people and in Christ help them to become from spiritually dead to spiritually alive in Christ. What a privilege. What a joy. The beauty of Christ's holiness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful picture of the holiness of Christ's heart. How when he comes near, our natural reaction is to shrink away. He is holy, we are sinful. But Lord, we thank you that we come as sinners to Christ. He doesn't tell us to leave, but he tells us to come. Come to me, all you are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Heavenly Father, help us this morning to come. And when we do, and if we have, help us to see that the greatest gift we have is to become fishers of men and women, to point the spiritually dead to where the life is, life in all its fullness. And Lord, you're so good to us, so loving, so gracious. We pray that you help us not to be afraid, but to come and gaze at the heart of Christ. And in him and by his spirit, help us to join you in your task of calling people into your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name and it's for his beauty's sake and for his glory that we pray all these things. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Parish. God bless you.